No, he's on a different beach today, man. He's out there, and we're so excited for those guys. I appreciate uh, Jeff and, and uh, asking me to come and to speak today. Uh, you're like, uh, you know what? This old guy looks real familiar to me. Well, uh, I work for Chick-fil-A down on Macon Road. And you're like, he's the old guy there with all those kids. Yeah, that's me, man. My pleasure. And uh, we're certainly glad you're here today, and I hope you come by and see me. I'm there generally every day, Monday through Friday. But this is not about Chick-fil-A today, man. This is about God. This is about you. And this is about us having a great time in the Word together. Hey, you have a Bible. I hope that you'll open that up. If you don't have a Bible, maybe you have a smartphone. You can go to the app there and uh, to version or whatever it is that you have for Bible verses. And I want you to turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, 1 Samuel. Somewhere like that. And, uh, and for, uh, chapter 16... And, uh, and we're going to have a good time today in, in the Scriptures. And as Jeff said, we're going to begin a brand new series today uh, called God of the Underdogs. And over the next few weeks, you know, you're going to hear some, uh, uh, some amazing things. We're going to be talking about a lot, of, a lot of things, a lot of promises, a lot of principles. And uh, we're going to talk about what do you do when the odds are against you. Uh, you know, the series being God of the Underdogs, man, you know, we understand and see through the Bible, as you read through the Bible, God you will take an underdog and turn them into a champion. You think, well, what in the world is an underdog? Well, maybe you'll look up there on the screen today, and we'll just look at the definition together from the renowned world source of all great definitions, not. Wikipedia says this, an underdog is a person or a group in a competition, usually in sports and creative works, who is popularly expected to lose. Auburn. Now, anyway... Um, Man, I'm sorry. I'm a Tennessee guy. I can say those kind of things, all right? And amen. Rocky Top. You know, that's just, that definition is just a very nice way of saying you're a loser, and this is not going to be good, good for you on whatever it is that you're attempting to accomplish. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but there's been many times in my life that I really was an underdog, felt like an underdog. And, uh, for instance, um, in my family, uh, I'm the runt of the family, all right? Uh, I have an older brother. He is six foot four. Today weighs in at 340 plus pounds. I think that's as far as the scale will go with him. Uh, but when he was in high school, uh, he was so skinny, played basketball, he was known as Spider-Man. That was his little nickname they called him. We were out playing basketball one day, and I went in for a rebound, had the ball in my hands. My older brother pinned me and the ball to the backboard. <laughs> Underdog for sure. I have a twin brother. We are fraternal twins. You know what that means? It means that we're nothing alike. He's six foot seven, and I am six one. He is left-handed. I am right-handed. Although I am a lot more humble and cuter than he is, I still feel like the underdog there for sure. Uh, and when I was in middle school, back then we called it junior high school. Uh, when I was in middle school, you had to weigh seventy-five pounds or more in order for the school to supply you with pads for the football team. Not even close. Underdog for sure. Uh, while in high school and in college, I, I dated a lot of, of girls. And, uh, and, you know, as things started kind of getting serious with any of these, uh, there was always, they would always say, you know, Joel, one day you're going to make a great husband for somebody else. You know, underdog for sure. And I could go on and on and on. By the way, my wife is here today. I fooled her 38 and a half years ago. She's still with me, and, uh, and I'm, I'm very blessed uh, with that. Fortunately, in this underdog world of mine, I understood and, and discovered 
uh, some things that moved me out of this arena of, of being an underdog that moved me to more of an area of champions and some things that's going on in my life and that I've done and, and, it's, and it's talking about when the odds were against me. All of us facing odds uh, all the time. Reminds me of a guy in the Bible. We're going to talk about him today. Um, and he was definitely uh, an underdog for sure. Uh, and as you read through the Bible, you will see how that God would take these underdog people and how that he would do a work in their lives and he would move them from underdog to champion in whatever it is, the area that he wanted to use them in. In this series, over the next several weeks, uh, you're going to hear some great stories uh, from the Bible, uh, and you're going to learn some very good principles uh, that will help move you in that same direction, from the underdog to the champion. Maybe you're thinking today, you know, you just don't know the odds that I'm facing right now, Joel. And you're right, I don't know, but God knows what they are. You're thinking, man, that's, you know, I, I really have this desire, this call, this, this dream in my life where I, I want to do something, and I think God is leading me this way. I believe he's directing me this way. But I see so many things that are in front of me, so many things that are working against me. I'm not sure if I will ever get there. Well, you picked a great day to be at my church. God wants to tell you some things today, how he wants to take you and use you and move you through this journey of faith with him. So today we're going to look at the life of David, young David, David before he became known as the king uh, of Israel. So you have your Bibles open, your smartphone open to 1 Samuel chapter 16. I want to pray for us, and then we'll jump right in here, okay? Father, thank you for this group that is here today, here at my church. Thank you that you are present here with us, because we know the Word says, where two or more are gathered in your name, you're there in the midst of them. And so we thank you, Lord, by the power of your Spirit today, you're moving and working in us already. You have been, Lord, all week. And the Lord is coming to a good culmination today. So there's no spirit welcome in this building except the Spirit of God who is at work in the hearts and lives and minds of all of us here today. Use your words, speak to us clearly. And may, Lord, we take these principles, apply them to our lives, live them out each day. Pray this in your name. Amen. Five things. I'm going to have it up on the, uh, up on the screen there. And, and maybe you'd like to take notes. I don't know, get a connection card or whatever, take your pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, whatever it is you write with, cut your finger, whatever it takes, grab your neighbor's arm, fill in the gaps right there, that'll be great. But I want you to follow along, take a few notes today uh, as we go together. Here's number one, first thing to do, when the odds are against you, when you're wondering, am I qualified to do what it is that God's called me to do, the first thing you got to do is this, you got to realize that God wants to use you. You got to realize that God wants to use you. Now, let me give you a background to our story here uh, when it comes to uh, to David and with uh, with Saul. In chapter 8 of 1 Samuel, we, we see that, that uh, the people have been calling on God and complaining to God, we want a king like everybody else. Up until this point, God says, you know, I've been their king. They've not needed a king. They've had leaders like Moses and Joshua. And they've had judges through the time. And Samuel actually was the very last judge that they had before the first king. And so God said, all right, I'll give you a king. And so Samuel was the prophet at that time, the judge at that time, went and he anointed a man named Saul to be the very first king over uh, Israel. And, uh, but Saul did something he shouldn't have done. He chose to go his own way. And he chose to be disobedient to the commands of the Lord. Uh, and so Saul failed in his responsibility to be obedient. Now I want you to understand this principle this morning. And that is this. God wants to use you. And that's a privilege. But with that privilege comes great responsibility. 
Saul messed up. Saul failed that in that responsibility area. He did not remain obedient to God. And so God says, you know what? You're not going to be that man for me. I'm going to choose another king. Verse 1 of Samuel, First uh, Samuel chapter 16, the Bible says this. The Lord said to Samuel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be the king. And of course, we all know that to be a uh, very young uh, David. Now look, when God puts a dream or a desire or this calling onto your life to accomplish something that really only he can accomplish through you, more than likely it's going to come at a time in your life where you realize that you are nowhere near qualified to do what it is, what God wants you to do. A lot of people think, well, I can just jump right in there and do this. No, it's not necessarily that way. You understand, I'm not that qualified, but I know that God's given me this desire, so what in the world do I need to do? Well, here's a promise for you today. I'll give you several of these in principles as well today. When the calling of God comes, here's what you need to know. God has gifted you to do what he's called you to do. God has gifted you to do what he's called you to do. Ephesians 2.10, the Bible says this, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, here's what God does in your life, and I'll, I want you just to be very clear with us here today, all right? Very clear. This is a process, and the process takes time. You just don't get the call or the desire or, the, or that direction in your life today, and then tomorrow you become that person who moves out from underdog to champion. No, this is a process, and a process does take time. But during this process, God is at work in your life doing some things with you. He's put into your life some things that he's going to take to use to form and fashion you to be that person that he needs you to be to accomplish what it is he wants to be accomplished. For instance, when you ask Jesus to come and forgive you of your sins and be the leader of your life, what happens is that when he comes into your life, he brings with him spiritual gifts. And God will take those spiritual gifts and then that harder passion that he's put into your life for what it is he wants you to do. And then he takes those abilities that he's given you right now and then the ones that you're going to develop a little later on in your life as time's going on through the process. And then he's going to take this personality that he has given to you. And then he's going to take those life experiences, those that have been really, really good and those that have been not so really, really good. And he puts all of this together in you because he has this plan and he wants to use you in that plan, but you must go through the process. So remember this uh, Star Wars principle. Don't try to be a Jedi Knight before the Jedi training is over with. Are you with me? You remember what happened to Luke when he left the, that uh, first set of uh, Jedi training, you know, he got out of there and hopped in his little spaceship and took off to fight Darth Vader and he lost his hand and almost lost his life. So don't try to jump out there and get ahead of God in doing what you think he's called you to do. Get in the process, stay in the process. All right, so first thing, realize God wants to use me. Here's the second thing is this. Remember, God's way is different. God's way is different. I know some of you already discovered that uh, in, in your own life. Now, you may know other people who are very successful in the field in which you believe that God is leading you to go in. And you're thinking to yourself, you know what, if I went to the same seminars that they went to, if I read the same books 
that they are reading. If I, if I met the same people they have met, then what's going to happen to me is I'm going to be really successful because I did what they did. That's not necessarily true. You know, the Bible tells us that when Samuel came to Jesse's house and he saw Jesse's sons, he wanted to do the obvious thing. He wanted to choose the very first son uh, that, uh, that Jesse had. Eliab was his name. And uh, the Bible says great things about him, that he was you know, great in appearance, and, and he looked, just looked like a leader. Well, I think maybe Samuel might have been thinking the same thing uh, about the first son as he was thinking about Saul, because Saul, handsome, he stood ahead above everybody else. He was just seemed to be a great leader, and, uh, but yet he was not the person that God really needed. And so look what the Bible says here in verse 7 of 1 Samuel chapter 16, because God had a different plan. Said, but the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider Eliab's appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So the first guy's out. That's different. Don't you know, you know the firstborn, kind of the first one to get chosen and, and, uh, or whatever? He's out. Let's bring on the second guy. Nope, he's out. Bring on the third one. Nope, he's out. As a matter of fact, seven of Jesse's sons were standing right there before Samuel, and they all paraded in front of him. And each time God spoke to Samuel and said, this is not the man. All right. So I'm Samuel. I'm standing there, and I'm looking at these seven guys, and there's Jesse right there, and I'm thinking, God sent me here to anoint the next king, and you've rejected all of these. What is up with this deal? Look at the next verse. He says in verse, uh, uh, verse 11 and 12, So Samuel asked Jesse, Are these all the sons that you have? I love this. Well, you know, they're still the youngest. Anybody, who's the youngest in your family? Anybody here? Youngest in the family? Yeah, you know, you're the, always the last one, you know, when they're choosing sides to, to play ball or whatever else, you know, they're like, okay, we'll take Bill and you can have Joel. You know, yeah, thanks a lot. All right. So, uh, so they're still the youngest, he answered, but he's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and he had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. Enter the underdog. Now let's look at David's under, underdog characteristics, all right? First off the bat, we see that he is the youngest of eight sons, the baby of the family. Uh, however, what's interesting that in the Bible, many times the number eight is the number that represented new beginnings. For David, he was a new beginning for Israel. So when he came into his rulership, he began to rule Israel in a new and different way than what Saul had been ruling. Then, on top of that, David came in as a, as a new beginning of how he led his life and lived his life in the spiritual dimension. He lived out his spirituality that he had there. Uh, something else we know was really kind of interesting is that, you know, his father Jesse, nor his seven brothers, ever thought to call him up, to bring him up there for the feast. That's what they thought about the little brother there he was a shepherd he was down hanging in the field doing what shepherds normally would do the bible says he was ruddy he said he was red now we're not really sure if that was something that was good or bad uh, we do know that that uh, it could have been he could have had red hair uh, also ruddy could mean that he was fair-skinned and it could mean both because a lot of folks who have red hair are, are very fair-skinned uh, kind of people and we love all y'all by the way all right and then um, and then later on we see that uh that David was also too young to be in 
Saul's army. And when Saul offered his armor to him to fight Goliath, it was just way too big for him. So he definitely is an underdog. Now, if we focus on all of this list, we see someone who is nowhere near qualified becoming the king of Israel. But God chose the underdog, and that was different. And he will do the same thing with you. What is it about you that makes you an underdog? When you're looking ahead and when you're pursuing that desire and that calling, that whatever that is in your life, what is it that's making you that underdog? What's those obstacles? What are those things that are sticking out in front of you that you can't seem to get past? Well, I encourage you over the next few days, you might, while it's fresh on your mind, I just jot some of those things down and then stick it somewhere where you can find it later on because when God moves you from, uh, uh, excuse me, from underdog to champion, you can pull out that list and go, wow, look at this and look at this and look at this, how God helped me to get through all of these and overcome all of these things to be the person he needed me to be. So God's way is a different way. Here's the third thing is this. Rehearse your daily disciplines. Rehearse your daily disciplines. Now, those of you who are in the greatest military in the world here, you understand this. You don't just enlist today and become super soldier tomorrow. It don't happen that way. You got to get on a butt. You got to get down there to 30 AG. You got to learn how to salute. You got to get a uniform put on you. You got to learn how to march. Then they send you down range. Oh boy, that's when the fun begins, right? But you know that in the military, as anything else, it, it, you are a combination of all the daily disciplines of the things that you are doing and rehearsing those and practicing them in your life. Now, David, he was a very much a master at this. As he was growing up in the fields, being a shepherd, tending the, in the family, family uh, business, prior to knowing that he was going to be the king, God was doing a work in him in the area of daily disciplines. While David was in the field, David learned some things. He learned how to care. He learned how to protect. And he learned how to lead. He learned these things while he was there. These were great qualities that God needed in him to be instilled in him when he became the king over Israel. But also we understand that when David was in the field during all those times, that he had a growing relationship with Almighty God. Because, you know, if you read in the book of Psalms, the 150 chapters there, when you read uh, uh, the book of Psalms, what you discover there uh, is that many of the writings in there were by David. Somewhere out in the field, somewhere other places. He was a poet. He was a writer. He was a songwriter. He wrote a lot of songs. We see those here. That's what Psalms actually means, is songs. Uh, and so he wrote a lot of these things here that is in that book. So he had this going and growing relationship with the Lord. God was developing him to become the man that he needed. Although he was involved in what seemed to be the little things, they became the major things later on in his life to do what he needed to do. God wants to do the same thing in you. The very same thing in you. Remember, it's a great process with great responsibility. So here's the things you must do in your life. First, develop your directional disciplines. What is it that you, that you think you're headed for, that you believe God's calling you to do, the desires that's there on your heart? But listen, I'd encourage you to find some great stuff and read some great stuff and daily begin to work on preparing yourself toward moving in that direction. I think that's just smart. That's a very, very good thing uh, to do. Uh, but then here's another thing. I encourage you to develop your spiritual disciplines. 
Now, I cannot emphasize enough to you the importance of this one point right here. Developing your spiritual disciplines. Look, God gave you a Bible. He gave this to all of us for us to read. And what God wants us to do is he wants us to get into this book. And he wants this book to get into us. I tell people, when I, in Chick-fil-A, you know, there's folks who come in there, they'll be reading their Bible, and, and I'll walk by them, and i say, hey, you know, by the way, it's okay for you to mark that Bible, but don't forget to let that Bible mark you. Are you with me? It's important that we do that. We've got to get into that book. Uh, and also, uh, daily, by the way, and then also we've got to pray. Your prayer life needs to be deeper than what it takes for you to drive down Manchester Expressway or JRL, and amen? You've been there, right? Some of you, I may have prayed for you, Lord, you know? Yeah, it's got to be deeper than that, okay? Uh, and, and so I want to encourage you today that you start getting into God's Word. You read that Bible. You don't know where to start? Man, I would just start in the book of Psalms. Uh, I would start in the book of John. Uh, I would start, take a proverb a day, like today is the 22nd of May. Read, read Proverbs 22. Tomorrow, read the 23rd. Do that every month. You know, there's there great Bible reading plans. Get, get your smartphone with the U version of that or go buy a one-year Bible and read the Bible through. If you've not read the Bible through ever in your life, oh, I'm going to challenge you today. I encourage you to do that. That's the most fun in the world. There's so much great stuff in there. And, and uh, just read through that word every, just a little bit every day will take you all the way to reading through the entire Bible. It's just amazing what you will find out there. But you've got to get into the word. It's that daily discipline of growing spiritually. Because really, that is the foundation of what's going to develop you into helping you to be the person that God wants you to be, what he's calling you to do. You can have all this knowledge, all this great stuff. That's wonderful. But boy, if you don't have that heart for him, if it's not in there, the word and the prayer, then you know what? You're just, you're going to be, it's going to be good, I'm sure. But it's not going to be what God really needs. He needs a person after him. Look at this Bible verse here. I saw this in the men's bathroom a while ago, too. Some, I guess Jeff wrote it on the wall. I don't know. You know, people write things Joshua 1 8, it says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. This is your homework this week. I want to encourage you to memorize this very verse. Keep this as close to your mind and your heart every day. Recite this verse to the Lord. All right? Number four is this I've got to respond to obstacles in faith and not fear. Respond to obstacles in faith and not fear. Now, Israel, you know, was constantly during this time at war with a group of people called the Philistines. And so the Philistines one day, they brought out their giant, their champion, the giant of a man. They called him Goliath. Look at uh, chapter 17, if you will, with me in your Bible. In verse 4 through verse 7, let's describe this guy. You want to see what, what he's going to be facing here. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall, big boy, right? He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor and bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's beam, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. In other words, it weighed 15 pounds. 15-pound spear uh, there, head on that spear, all right? And I love this last line, his comedy. You ready? His shield bearer went ahead of him. Shield bearer? A nine-foot guy? What is it? There's no, the, uh, there, I'll tell you, you probably couldn't see the guy for the, for the shield being so big there. There's a little, little Bible humor there. 
But his shield bearer went there in front. So this is a big guy. He's a big obstacle. And he was so big, he was so powerful, and he was so loud. And every time he would come out there, he'd march up and down in front of all the people there, and he would shout these things at the, at the Israel, uh, people Israelites. And, and they would shake. Even King Saul, he was very much afraid of this man. Well, one day, little David showed up. Wasn't old enough to be in the army yet. And back in those days, a uh, family who had, you know, people in the army, they would send rations to them. And so Jesse said, David, take this food to your brothers. They're on the battle line. So David gets up there. He brings the food to his brothers. And, um, and so he begins to hear the taunt of the giant. But David responded differently than did the rest of the Israeli army. David faced this with faith, not with fear. His faith in God was so big that there was no room for fear at all. In your journey from underdog to champion, obstacles are going to be in your pathway. They are inevitable. Some are going to be big. Some are going to be small. They're going to be there. So I want you to remember this. David had approached Goliath as if the giant was already defeated. He did that trusting in God not in himself. He came toward that one, knowing that he was already defeated. Why? Because of his faith, not his fear. This is why you must have a daily time, developing this time with God in your life, in the Word, and in prayer, getting direction, getting spiritual uh, food into your life. Look what David had to say about Goliath. Verse 34 through 37 of chapter 17. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or tiger or bear, oh, who said oh my? There we have somebody that's listening. Amen. Thank you so much. My pleasure. All righty. When a lion or tiger came or bear came and he carried off a sheep from the flock. This is this little guy, young guy. He's bad to the bone. I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. That's pretty cool. Look at this. When it turned on me, I screamed like a little girl and ran. No, look what it says. He says, when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This taco-eating, Perrier-drinking Philistine. I'm sorry. That's not what it says, is it? This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the, of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you, because I'm not behind you. Right? Wow. What a great aspect here that David has shown. Approaching the obstacles by faith, not by fear. So you look at those obstacles through the eyes of faith. Here's number five. Last point today is this. I rely on God's promises as I advance. I'm relying on God's promises as I advance. One of the things you're going to find out when you're reading the Bible all the time is that God's going to speak to you and he's going to give you promises in the word. There's going to be a verse one day that you're going to read and you've read it probably many times before and it's just going to jump out, out of that page and just smack you in the face. And it's like, wow, 
I've never really seen this in the Bible before. Do you know why? Because you may have seen it, but it wasn't time for it to have its effect on you. And so you look at that verse, you think, man, I'm going to make this a promise in my Bible and in my heart. I'm going to memorize this, and I'm going to say it a lot, and I'm going to trust this, and I'm going to mean this. That's another reason to get into the Word. Because, see, when you're moving forward, you've got to rely on the promises of God, what He's calling you to do, because you know for sure He wants to do that. When I decided to go to seminary, made the, made the decision to do that, I'd been praying for a long time, and um, I was 29 years old, living in a little town in Kentucky and uh, was wanting to go to seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, and so I was praying and praying. And one day I was praying, and I'm telling you, this is what happened to me. God just spoke to my heart, and he said, you go, and I'll show you things you don't even know. And I thought, you know what? That sounds good to me. I'm going to do this. And uh, I, I had no idea that was a Bible verse. I just knew that God had spoken to my heart. And so we had a three-year-old and a five-year-old, and we sold most everything we had except the recliner. Amen. Kind of. There are important things in ministry that you need. Recliner was one of them, all right? So we sold the recliner, everything about that. So, so we loaded up, and we moved to Fort Worth, Texas. I, bought, I just bought a new little car. It didn't have air conditioning on it because we were living in Kentucky. Didn't really need it that much. 114 degrees the day we arrived there in August of 1984 uh, in Fort Worth, Texas. It was a hot, hot, hot time. And uh, so we got there. I had $1,000 in my pocket. And, and uh, so we, we got into our apartment. We got everything set up. Went to school, got all my school paid for, got insurance paid for. We went to the grocery store and got all of our groceries. We had no money and no jobs. That was day one. Day two, we both got jobs. Day three, entered into school, and here we go on this journey. And so I've been waiting on God to help me, waiting on God to help me, because I knew he said, you go and I'll show you things you've never seen. I thought, what, what is going on with this? So a few months later, February, I'm asleep in the bed, and I get this phone call from a friend of mine. His mom called me who lived in Texas, and she was uh, on a search committee uh, looking for a youth minister, actually an interim youth minister, and she knew me and her son were good friends, and so she called me. And I, and I, I mean, I, I sat straight up in the bed. I said, sure, I'll be happy to do this. Go to this church, nice little church, run about 200 in the youth ministry, and, and uh, so we're sitting there. And, and one night I was in, in church, Sunday, this one had Sunday night church. Y'all ever heard of that before? <laughs> you know? So I'm sitting there, and, and on the back row, as a good youth minister would be, watching all the kids passing notes to one another, not paying attention to the service, the pastor reads this scripture, and he says, uh, it was Jeremiah 33, 3. He said, call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and mighty things you did not know. I sat up in my, in my seat, and I thought, what, what did he just say? So I'm asking everybody, around, what did he just say? What did he say? Nobody knew what he said because they weren't listening. But in my spirit, my heart, it caught that verse. Uh, and so I grabbed the church worship folder and looked at it, and I saw this book, Jeremiah 33, 3. Where in the world is that? So I found it. And opened up the scripture, and there was that verse that God had spoken to my heart several months prior to that, almost a year prior to that. And you know what? I sat there and I said, you know, I know that God is in this. I know that he is in this direction for my life. I had that promise from him. Now I had exactly knew exactly where it was, and I could move forward and advance on to be the person that God wanted me to be, moving me from underdog to champion in my arena. So you rely on his promises. Look what the Bible says here in chapter 17, verse 45. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. 
all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine, and he killed him. Wow, the underdog is on his way now to becoming the champion. How did that happen? 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14. The Bible tells us that Samuel and Saul were in a discussion after Saul was disobedient to the Lord. And here's what Samuel said to Saul. He said, The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and has appointed him leader of his people. That's how it happened. God had found a man after his own heart, and he wanted to use him. Uh, Psalm 78, verse 70 and 71, it says that God chose David, his servant, and he took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And yes, God wants to move you out of your sheep pen. He wants to move you from being an underdog to being a champion into the arena that he is calling you into. I have another verse I really want you to see. I want us to read this out loud together. I hope we encourage that you will memorize this and put this into your heart of hearts each and every day of your life. It's called Psalm 37, verse 4. You've probably heard this a bunch. And I want you to read this out loud far better than the, than the 945 crowd did, okay? You can do this. We're in competition today with that, all right? So let's read this out loud together. Here it goes. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. All pray with me, would you? What is it that God's calling you to do? What is it you're sensing that he is asking you to take on that task and knowing there is no way in this world today in your life that you're not ready for that? What is it he's wanting you to do? Would you right now just recommit your life to that call? Whatever it is God wants to do, just say to him, you know what, God? I see what it is you want me to do. And today I make a commitment. I am willing to go through the process. I realize, God, that this takes time. And that I am willing to put in that time. I want to learn. I want to have the daily disciplines in the field you're leading me into. But I also want to have those daily disciplines in my life spiritually where that is far more important. So, God, I just recommit myself to you today in that. I want to move from underdog to champion. Perhaps some of you here today, maybe you've never taken the first step for God to put his call on you. And what I mean by that is that maybe you've never made Jesus the forgiver and the leader of your life. Why don't you do that today? We do that by prayer, by talking to God. Just pray this in your heart. Dear God, I need Jesus in my life. Today, I make him the forgiver and the leader of my life. Jesus, 
Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from my sin. I commit my life to you today to be used however you see fit. I want to be your person moving from underdog to champion. Maybe you prayed that prayer today. I'm so excited for you to do that. You cross a big, big, big line right there. In front of you, if you're in front of your seat, there's a connection card. Maybe you'll just give a little information today and let us know you made that decision. You crossed over making Jesus the forgiver and Lord of your life. We want to know about that because we want to help you in this new journey that you're about to take on. Others of you, you've got obstacles. There's stuff going on in your life. You're not really sure what's happening. You need prayer support. Maybe you'll take one of those connection cards and you'll write down a little prayer request on there. I'm facing this obstacle. Please pray for me and with me. And that's what we're here to do. We want to help you in this journey, in this process. It takes time. But my, it is so much worth it. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for what you're doing and what you've done. Use this time, Lord. Emphasize these things into our hearts and minds. May we live for you as your underdog to one day be your champion. In Christ's name, amen. Won't you stand?